Welcome back to the Bible Belt Heathen Podcast, where we are continuing on on our What the Hell series, where we're discussing the diversity and differing views within Scripture of the afterlife and the underworld. And by far the most common word in the Old Testament to describe the underworld is the word Sheol. Sheol occurs approximately 66 times, and out of those 66 times, a pretty good majority of those show up in the more poetic language or poetic literature, such as Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Book of Job. And in that literature, we see certain parallels that are commonly used, such as the word pit or even the word death. And all of these are describing the same thing, which is exactly what we've been looking at in the last couple episodes. And it's describing a dark, gloomy existence where everyone goes. That's the righteous and the wicked alike. And there's no fire or torment. There's just darkness, dust, and silence. And we also saw a passage in Job where we see described gates, the gates of the underworld that are locked. And this is a common motif used even in other cultures outside of the Bible around the same times to communicate the finality of death. There is no coming back. And so today we're going to take a closer look at the word Sheol and some of its parallels. And then we're going to look at some of the translations in the most common English translations that are used within the church. And we're going to see some unwanted effects of those translations. So our first stop is going to be Psalm 88, and it just so happens that you get most of the language usually associated with the description of the afterlife all in one psalm. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just want you to pay attention to the parallel lines. Parallelism is a common word used in scholarly circles to describe lines in poetry that are used to compare or enhance certain ideas using different words. So take, for example, uh, Psalm 19.1. This is from the NASB. Uh, Psalm 19.1, the heavens are telling of the glory of God. And the second line is, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. So here you get this, these parallel words. For example, in the first line, you get heavens. In the second line, you get expanse. You can see the comparison there. In the first line, you get telling. And then the second line, you get declaring. Right? And then the first line, you get the glory of God. And in the second line, you get the work of his hands. So you can see the parallel words. And they're different words, but they're comparing the same idea. They're reinforcing the idea that God is active within the world. And this is a very common style in Hebrew poetry. So take that idea and let's look at some parallel lines in Psalm 88. And we're going to start at verse 1, and this is going to be in the NASB. It says, O Lord, the God of my salvation, I have cried out by day and in the night before you. Let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to my cry. You can see the parallel lines there. Verse 3, for my soul has had enough troubles, and my life has drawn near to Sheol. Verse 4, I am reckoned among those who go down to the pit. I have become like a man without strength, forsaken among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave. 
whom you remember no more, and they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the lowest pit, in dark places, in the depths. Your wrath has rested upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves. So, moving down just a little farther, we're going to skip verses 8 through 10, and we're going to go directly to verse 11. And verse 11 says, Will your loving kindness be declared in the grave, your faithfulness in Avedon? Will your wonders be made known in the darkness, and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? So, we get some interesting play on words here, or some parallel lines with the word grave, or the word sheol, or the word pit. And then we're also introduced to this new word, avadon, right? But pay attention back up in verse 3, you see two parallel lines. The first line, for my soul has had enough troubles. And the second line, and my life has drawn near to sheol. Right, so you get you get some parallel words of my soul and my life. And then it has had enough and has drawn near. And then you see troubles and sheol. So there's a comparison of his his soul and his troubles he's had in life, and then that same life is drawing near to sheol. You can kind of see the parallel lines there. Verse four, the first line is I am reckoned among those who go down to the pit. The second line, I have become like a man without strength. So you see a comparison of those that are in the pit, who are in Sheol, and then a man who doesn't have strength. It's reinforcing that idea of the people who are in the pit, they don't have strength, and they, they don't have vitality, they don't have life. And then verse 5, forsaken among the dead. And the second line, like the slain who lie in the grave. So you get parallel... Um, words of death or dead and grave. Uh, verse 6, you get parallel words between the lowest pit, you get dark places, and then you also get depths. Right? And you get this interesting idea, and this is just extra, this idea that God does not remember them who are in the grave. You are cut off from your hand. Uh, There's just some food for thought there that takes quite a bit of a reflection to kind of grab a hold of that so just something extra but um again we in verse 11 it says your loving kindness will be declared in the grave the second line is your faithfulness in avadon so we get this new word avadon here and it's being compared with grave and in the anchor yale bible dictionary uh, you just look up the word avadon it's a b a d d o n um, it's derived from the Hebrew av avad, which means became lost, or be ruined, or destroyed, or to perish. And avadon has a variety of nuanced meanings. A poetic synonym for the abode of the dead, meaning destruction or place of destruction. So avadon is another synonym or a parallel word for the abode of the dead, or the afterlife, or where the dead go after they die. So the point is the language used in this psalm to describe the afterlife. Words such as sheol, pit, death, grave, avidon, all these words are often associated with the modern concept of a fiery, tormenting hell. And it invokes that mental image in our head when we read it. 
and we need to get rid of that mental image. We've spent the last couple episodes looking at what we need to replace that image with. We need to replace the image of a fiery, tormenting hell, especially in the Old Testament, with a dark, dusty, lonely existence that's separated from God. And it makes a very big difference in how we understand these Old Testament texts. If every time you run across this language and you you picture in your head a fiery place where people are eternally tormented and God has sent them there, you're, you are not on the same page as the biblical author. And then to make things worse, um, a lot of times in our English translations, these words that are used to describe the afterlife is actually translated with the English word hell. So, for example, let's look at, we're going to look at the King James Version, just because that's a huge thing in this part of the country, but Psalm 55, 15 through 16, this is what the King James says, Let death seize upon them, and let them go down quick into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me, I will call upon the Lord, and the Lord shall save me. All right, so that was 55, Psalm 55, 15 through 16, and then Psalm 55, 23, farther down in the psalm, it says, But thou, God, shalt bring them down into the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in thee. So the word translated in the KJV as hell, up in verse 15, is actually the word sheol. And if you're like me, you, you immediately heard the word hell, and because of my raising, I immediately thought of you know the fiery torment of hell with the uh, the horned red devil, and he's poking and prodding, and people are crying, and then you know, weeping and gnashing of teeth. You hear that a lot in the churches around here. But that that mental image popped up in my head, especially when we read verse twenty three with verses fifteen and sixteen. We get this idea of the pit of destruction. Right. Well, the pit of that phrase "pit of destruction" can also be translated "the lowest pit," the lowest pit, just like in uh, Psalm eighty-eight that we looked at earlier. And so you get this this mental image from the idea of just the word "hell." Like the moment you hear that word, and then the moment you get farther down the psalm and you hear the phrase "pit of destruction," you you know exactly what you're thinking. Right, it's the, the fiery, tormenting hell, that, that image we need to get rid of. Right? And if you, if you look at the parallel lines, you'll see in this psalm that the, the psalmist is not telling God to send the wicked into fiery torture. He's saying that God will be just and that he will take, take their life from them early. The life of these people, of the enemies, is what's at stake here. It's not what comes after death. It's the fact that God will justly take their life and he will save or rescue the psalmist. You can look at the um, parallel lines, such as in verse 16, it says that um, Yahweh will save me. Right In verse 18, he hath delivered my soul in peace. Or in verse 22, he shall sustain me. So it's about the life of of the psalmist and his enemies. It's, the issue is not about sending them to hell or fiery uh, torture. It's about that the psalmist gets to keep his life. He is saved from death. He is saved from Sheol. He is saved from p the pit or the depths. Remember, we said that the wicked and the righteous all go to the same place. So the psalmist is saying, save me from 
from that early death. Save me from the pit and Sheol. And then at the end of verse 23, it actually says, Deceitful men shall not live out half their days. So God will justly take half their days away from them, from his enemies, and send them to Sheol. And whether, you know, they will go down to the grave, the pit, Sheol, underworld, whatever language you want to use there, it's it's that God is taking half of their life or half of their days. It's the life that is what is at stake. But understanding the language and getting rid of that mental image that is so ingrained in us is very important for how we understand Scripture. And it's very important for understanding what the biblical authors are trying to say to us, what they're trying to get across. What's the point? Well, it's not that God is sending them to a tormenting, fiery hell, right? It's, it's life. It's, it's our life physically on this earth at this point of what matters. And that, that transitions in the next episode, we'll kind of see a little bit of a transition into um, what's called uh, apocalypticism. But that's for the next episode. Um, but this is some great party facts. So feel free to share all of this information with everyone you know. So I will see you next time.